Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. You've heard me say that the purpose of this podcast is to build a world with better bosses. What if I told you that one of the biggest problems with poor leadership is actually fear? My guest today is Jacqueline Wales. In working with hundreds of leaders, she has observed that many of the worst leadership behaviors are simply born out of fear and insecurity. If you think about a bad boss you know, you probably can see where fear is involved. This is a really powerful discussion, and it's making me think more about how fear affects leadership. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jacqueline Wales. Jacqueline is a self-described champion for fearlessness. She is a leadership coach and author. Her latest book, The Fearless Factor at Work, helps leaders break through barriers to reach their full potential. I'm excited to have her on the show today to talk about the subject of fear and how it affects leadership. So Jacqueline, welcome. Oh, it's great to be here, John. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I'm excited to talk about this subject because it's actually one we haven't covered on the podcast yet. So you are the first one we're going to talk about fear. So let's be fearless and make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds good. So you um, in your when I was researching this before you came on, I saw in your bio, you say you are a champion for fearlessness. What does that mean? Well, basically, I'm about, you know, pushing the edge. You know, I I heard it once said that fear is the sharp edge of excitement. And when I heard that, I was like, that's why I've been living on this edge my entire life, because I've always pushed the envelope as the, you know, the, the kind of generalization goes. But that sense of always going to the edge and seeing how much further you can get. You know, my tagline is be fearless, see where it gets you. So the idea is if you have the courage to face up to the things that you're feeling uncomfortable about, um, great things happen. Opportunities Mm. open up. Mm. Uh, You get to go where you want to go instead of maybe holding back because you're afraid of taking a risk, afraid of failure, afraid of humiliation, afraid of rejection. All of those those fears that get churned up whenever we're confronting a new circumstance uh, Mm. or dealing with old stuff that should have been cleared up a long time ago. Uh, mm. which is another part of the fear issues, because a lot of our fears are actually implanted at an early age, uh, and they become like a hum underneath the existence, if you like, um, where people are playing small, where they're not really showing up for the grand vision that they might have for their lives. And, you know, Henry James said many, many years ago, people live lives of quiet desperation. Mm. Well, that quiet desperation is born from fear, primarily. Uh, and that that resistance to, to taking the risks to move yourself forward. Interesting. So being fearless for me is about challenge the edge. Take it Getting- out there. 
challenging yeah. that edge. Yeah. What about as it as you think about leaders and in leadership roles, where has fear derailed leaders, or what what co- what happens when fear enters into a leadership equation? Well, I think when fear enters into a leadership equation, and I've seen this many times because I do behavioral assessments uh, on leaders. And what I see is they can go two ways. They can either get into aggressive defensive behaviors, which Mm -hmm. is taking control, making sure that that everybody knows that they're the boss, um, making sure that in in whatever way it is, they're not undermined in their, their superiority, shall we say. They can also be highly competitive, which means they're always pushing to be the top dog which again works against the, the, the benefit of the individuals as a whole. Uh, perfectionism shows up in leaders who have that uh, aggressive defensive style uh, where they set extremely high standards, not only for themselves, but for the others that they work with. Now, a lot of this is just fear-based because what it comes down to fundamentally when we're looking at fear is I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Now, they may not actually think that way in their heads, but I've had many conversations with leaders in my work where we get down to, you know, what this behavior is doing and why is it is it operating this way? And it comes down to, again, are you good enough? And of course, they'll say, yes, I am. But then the question that comes after that is, well, why do you feel that you need to behave in this certain way? So for leadership in particular, there's the other side of this, which is the passive defensive side, Mm -hmm. where people don't take decisions, where they're constantly asking for approval, or they need to live life by the book. And that, again, leads to some very... Uh, you know, underwhelming behaviors that that stop leaders from really taking, you know, full control. Because what is a strong leader? A strong leader is someone who cares about other people, Mm -hmm. who has empathy for other people, who's willing to help people rise up, who's willing to have the hard conversations that are meant to help people grow and develop. And many times when we look at feedback, for instance, in, in a leadership role, there's only one way that they go, and that's to tell somebody what to do. Mm. Well, what if they to, were to get into what um, Edgar Schein calls the humble inquiry, which is, you know, ask questions. Mm. Be more curious. I talk about this in my book, The Fearless Factor at Work, which was written primarily for leaders to get them to understand that there are human behaviors that need to be addressed and big piece of this, of course, is self-reflection, self-awareness, and knowing what your strengths and your weaknesses are, which is, again, part of the, the behavioral assessments that I do, very, very important. So getting them to understand that the constructive behaviors are what you as a leader should be moving towards, which is more collaboration, which is showing the team as a model of how you actually communicate more effectively, and of course, helping people grow and develop. But a big piece of the constructive side of things is knowing who you are, Hmm. and also being achievement oriented. Now, frequently I find leaders, their achievement scores are really low, and I ask them why. It's because they're not taking enough risks. They're waiting for other people to give them the lead. That's not being a leader. 
No, interesting. So, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this, you know, this podcast we say is it's to help build a world with better leaders. And I think about the bad characteristics I've seen of, you know, some of the characteristics of poor leaders, for example. And as you talk, I'm thinking that many of them are based and rooted in fear, right? This, you mentioned, uh, you know, when you see an insecure leader, they tend to be, um, you know, they're, they seem to be overcompensating there. They, you can, they can be aggressive or they can try to control or they, and then the ones that are, you know, passive aggressive or the ones that don't make decisions. And it's interesting. I never really thought about it, but those are really some of those behaviors are really based in fear. Yeah, that hundred percent. And I, I found it, I've done hundreds of assessments now. And I find no matter where you are in the organization, whether it's the CEO or whether you're dealing with, with frontline managers, it's still the same thing as far as the behaviors is concerned. It is fear-based. And again, if I get down to that real root cause there, I'm not good enough. So yeah. therefore, I'm constantly trying to prove myself. Now, if you think about a bullying boss, for instance, you know, the old axiom of people join a company and, and leave a boss, you right. know, because right. they can't stand his or her behavior anymore. Um, you know, the bullying person is deeply afraid, mm. deeply afraid that, that they will be controlled. So therefore, they'll do the controlling. And that that becomes a, a serious issue uh, for people in the workplace when you're dealing with that type of personality. Um, you know, we all need a little bit of the aggressive defensive. We also need a little bit of the passive defensive stuff, too. I mean, it's it's the way human nature works. But if we're working for the good of humanity, shall we say, the more enlightened leaders are the ones who will talk about, you know, how can I raise people up? How can I create an organization that I can be proud of and know that the people who work for me, the you know, best places to work is, is one of the examples of that, you know, and then none of them are perfect, frankly. You know, if you really look at organizational culture, which I do with the, the work that I do too, you're really, uh, identifying what are the areas within the organization that could be improved upon. And I think that there's, there's uh, you know, always something there. And so a good leader is always looking for ways to improve. How do I improve myself? How do I improve my role? How do I help the people that I have on my team improve their game too? Because you can't always have a team of high performers, you know, but you can create them. Mm. You can create them by giving them the resources, the support, the understanding, uh, and the collaborative communicative uh, um, relationships that are necessary for us to bring out the best in ourselves in the workplace. I love that. And part of, you know, being able to focus on others and help them grow is to be confident in yourself and, and, and be assured in yourself and being not afraid. I mean, uh, you know, I think of a simple thing like I talk to a lot of bosses and I say, you need to get out of your office and see your people. And part of the reason people do stay in their comfort zone and never leave their office is because of is fear. I don't know if, you know, what are they going to ask me? What if, what if I don't know this? Or I, I haven't been on the shop floor. I, I don't even know like exactly where I'm supposed to go on the shop floor and I don't want to look stupid. And, and so all these things that, you know, the re, some of the reasons why bosses don't get out to where their people are is fear-based. And it's just, you've got, you've, and I think confident leaders, leaders that don't have that fear 
they know that they don't have all the answers, but they're willing to go out there and talk and have that conversation and, and engage with their people, regardless of what is going to be said or asked of them. Yeah, and that's true. And when you think about people that you really admire in a company, they're the ones who are out there talking to you. Right, they're the right. They're saying, how's it going? Right. What do you need? What can I do to help you? You know, and, and it's a very simple conversation, but it, it doesn't happen very frequently. Um, and, you know, you again, I, I've had the experiences myself with one company I worked with from the CEO down. Um, the CEO lived in his little ivory tower. Mm-hmm. He was an entrepreneurial mindset and he figured that other people were doing the work and he was making the money, period. And I told him when I did his debrief, I said, you really need to get out and you need to talk to people to find out. And this is not a large company. This is a, you know, small to medium sized company. I said, you really need to get out and talk to people so they get to know you. Because what I'm hearing from my end and my all of my debriefs is that they don't know what's going on up here. Mm. They have no idea. And they have no idea who you really are. And I think that fear of knowing who you really are. Interesting. It's also a big piece of that because you think about it, if they get to know who I really am, well, they're just going to think I'm a real schmuck. So, you know, I won't put myself there. They don't realize well, what I'm, I'm this. What does that say about you? Yeah. yeah. What does that say about you? That, but that tells me that you believe on a fundamental level that you are a schmuck. Yeah. Yeah. So they're well, insecure about, are they really this great entrepreneur that uh, they portray themselves to be? And then if I go out in the shop floor and people actually meet me and talk to me, they realize I'm not this great entrepreneurial mind. I'm just an ordinary person with an idea. It's almost know? like the Wizard of Oz thing. You yeah. Know? The Wizard of Oz gives a big voice from above and then they pull back the curtain and there's this little scared old man going, well, I, I just try to do my thing here. Right. Right. <laughs> Interesting. I love it. Um, you know, when I was doing some research on you, I, you had a quote, and I love it. You said um, that you're endlessly fascinated by the messiness of being human. And I often say that the same, uh, same similar thing. I say that people are messy. What do you mean when you say it? Well, I think, again, it's just that continual conflict that that we have as human beings. Uh, you know, um, I talk frequently in my work about people are their own worst enemies because mm. we are. And I also know that um, we can be our own best friend, which what does that mean? Uh, you know, I'll take a client example, for instance, huge perfectionist, you know, really was on top of his job, loved his job, was out there doing his thing. But when it came to making mistakes, He was there with the two by four up the side of the head, Mm. you know, every time he he did something that didn't meet his standards, he gave himself a really hard time. So one of the things that I I worked with him for and quite a while worked with him for was self-compassion, which was the ability to say, I didn't do that too well today, but tomorrow I'll do better, Mm. you know as opposed to the finality of, well, that was pretty messed up, you know, and uh, end of story. So, you know, piece of this is telling yourself different stories about who you are and how you're showing up in the world and really reframing a lot of the belief systems that, that you currently hold about who you are and, and what you're all about. And a lot of this gets planted at an early point in our lives. You know, we like to say that there are, you know, there are 
happy families and unhappy families. And Tolstoy said it best when he said, you know, unhappy ones are much more interesting. So the messiness of life, you know, read any novel that's this right. complex and you've got some really messy characters in there. And that's life. You know, right, I mean, right. this is it, you know. So we put our barriers in our own way. We we create scenarios and circumstances that, that confirm this, that confirmation bias that confirms that what we thought was actually true, you know. So there's, yeah, I just proved it to myself, you know. At an earlier point in my life, I used to call myself a chaos junkie because if things got too settled, I would stir the pot and make it messy again. So, you know, I'm not unique. That's the messiness of being human. And at the same time, we're capable of getting out of the mess. Mm, Capable of so much more if we're given an opportunity. If you give yourself the opportunity to think about what that would look like and make the effort, because it takes a lot of effort to do the changes, which is, you know, I like to say everything I teach, everything I talk about, I've been there and done that. I have been one of these messy human beings. I'm still a messy human being to some degree, um, but I'm a lot better than I used to be. But I've put a lot of effort into trying to make it better. So, you know, but a lot of people don't. They just stay in their lane and that's what it is. It is what it is. Mm. And, And I'm not a believer in that. I don't believe there ever is. It is what it is. Unless it really is what it is. And then you don't have a choice. <laughs> but we always have a choice. And even if you don't make a choice, you're still making a choice. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Is your boss a jerk? I understand you're in the hospital, but I'm going to need you to come in today. Do they lack any ability to actually lead people? Oh, it's fine. I'll I'll just find somebody else that can do it, okay? John is offering a new service just for you. For only $10, he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book, I Have the Watch, to your boss with a personal note. Go to IHaveTheWatch.com and enter the discount code BOSS at checkout. Deep Leadership is brought to you by my friends at the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. Bottom Gun is owned and operated by U.S. submarine veterans, and no one knows coffee better than the men and women who serve long hours keeping watch under the sea. Bottom Gun Coffee Company has a variety of coffee blends designed to keep you moving. From Ahab's Revenge Extremely Strong Coffee to their morning blend, Bottom Gun purchases only premium certified organic coffee beans from all over the world to create the finest tasting coffee you will ever experience. It's what I drink every day. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffeeCompany.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So let's uh, talk about your new book, The Fearless Factor at Work. So why did you write this book and who are you mentioned? It's it's for leaders, but it's also for people in the workplace. So, you know, why did you write the book? Who's it for? I wrote the book primarily after 10 years of coaching clients, both entrepreneurs and people in, in organizations and realizing that a lot of what they came to me with uh, in the beginning was simply a lack of self-awareness, of Mm. not really knowing what their strengths and weaknesses, their values were, not knowing what it was about the behaviors and belief systems and thinking that was holding them back from really living into their full potential. 
So as I started to explore this over the last 10 years, I started seeing these recurring themes uh, coming up. And so I wrote the book, The Fearless Factor at Work, which is actually the second in the Fearless Factor uh, series, if you like, because the first one I wrote for women particularly in helping them to understand how to step it up and how to, to ask for more and how to really, you know, take control of their own lives. And I, I share a lot of my own stories in my books, in both books. Um, so the idea for the Fearless Factor at Work is giving people a tool, a virtual mentor, if you like, because at the end of every section of the book, there's a series of questions that the individual should be asking themselves about how am I showing up? What is important to me? What are the values that, that, that create the substance for my life? How do I find purpose, meaning in my life? Um, what's my vision for, for where I'm going? I talk about trust. I talk about courage. I talk about empathy. I also talk about uh, appreciation. We get very little appreciation in the workplace. And so how do you learn not only to appreciate others, but to appreciate yourself? Mm -hmm. Because that, that's another big piece of that. There's a huge section on communication. Most people have no idea how they're really communicating. And we don't get any real education in it. Mm -hmm. Listening is a big piece of that. And of course, as a leader, one of the things you really must do is become a really good listener. Now, most people listen at what we call level one, which is I'm listening so that I can then think about what I need to say back to you. That's listening at number one. Number two is I'm listening and I'm thinking about what you're saying. And I want to be able to articulate that a little bit more clearly. Number three is really about I'm listening, but I'm also starting to hear that there's things that you're not saying. So can I use my intuitive sense? Can I use my my understanding of human nature to probe a little bit deeper. And then, of course, at number four, frequently, and I have this when I'm coaching, people start to say something. I don't know what the, what, what the answer to that is long before they've even articulated the full sen sentence that mm -hmm. they're going for. So it's that deep, deep understanding of human nature. And that's something that I've, I've been an acute, you know, a real acute studier of, of nature or human nature for my entire life mostly because I had to, because I grew up in such a, a damaging atmosphere in my family of origin. So these are the levels of listening, but we're not taught that. In business school, they don't teach you, they don't take you away and show you what the listening piece is. They don't give you an overview of it, but practicing it becomes a big piece. So for instance, I mentioned feedback earlier. It's another piece in the book. How do you give feedback to others? Well, you stay open and you stay curious. Tell me more. Help me understand. I want to be able to, to help you get what you need. Not about you did that wrong. So, you know, better get over it and do it right the next time, which is frequently what feedback comes down to. And you see that also in those performance reviews, which I'm definitely very biased against because most of the time they're done without any real thought to who the individual you know, how the individual is going to receive this. So as a, a strong leader, you think about all these things, but they're not part of your normal pattern of needing to think about these things. Right. So the book was written primarily to say, here's your primer. Here's your virtual mentor. If you read through this and you can pick it up at any point in the book, it's, it's you know, it's not a complex book. And you can find some questions in there that will make you stop and think about, hmm, 
how's that working for me? Mm. How's that not working for me? Uh, and then at the end of the book, I, I give all the questions that were at the end of each section. I give them all again because it's like, you know, yourself, you read a book and you go, yeah, I'll get back to that. Of course, you never do. <laughs> You know, right, right. so I reiterate at the end of the book. Here's all the questions I asked you. <laughs> you right. might want to take a look at that again. <laughs> I love it. I, one of the biggest problems people have is that they'll buy a book and they'll read maybe one chapter and then they'll never implement any of the activities from it or any actions from it. And that's disappointing, you know, because, you know, and I, it sounds like you're you're challenging the reader to ask those tough questions. And, and I, I totally am. Again, it's that fearless take it to the edge piece. You know, it's like. We're not going to stop at the half, halfway mark here. We're, you know, I want you to really take this journey. I mean, and, and essentially, here's my bottom line. It took me years to learn everything that I've learned about human behavior and about my own behavior, my own thinking, and my own way of showing up in the world. And I am now... Uh, pretty fully realized in, in many, many ways. You know, there's still always growth. You do that until the day you die. I mean, that, that goes on forever. But I want people to take the shortest journey to mm. this stuff. You don't need to go and do 10 years of therapy like I did. You know, you don't need to, to spend, you know, thousands of dollars with a coach. You know, just be a little bit more mindful about who you are and how you walk through the world. And what it is, what's your impact on other people? And that's that's a big piece for me with leaders. Like yeah. So as people go through this and they're able to break through some of their barriers, some of their fear barriers, what's what's on the other side of fear? When they're able to overcome that fear and they're able to understand what is their self-limiting, you know, belief systems and they're able to overcome those. What's on the other side of fear? What are some examples of people that maybe have overcome some of their fear issues and what do they become? How does that help them? You mentioned being more self-realized. How do they become what they really could become? Confidence is the first first piece right okay. there. You know, the ability to what I call stand in your own shoes. Mm. And yeah. I, there's a real, you know, when you think about this, and I, I thought about this about 20 years ago, how do you stand in your own shoes? And that's the piece of taking ownership of everything that I am. You know, warts and all, we're all imperfect beings. And so trying to be the perfect being is, is a very hard thing to do. And so, again, if I look at the, the example I gave earlier, uh, he's got a lot more self-compassion now. He's also got a lot more compassion for the people that he works with. And he does his best to to understand before he comes to judgment and decision. So that's that's a huge piece right there, you know. But the the confidence and the ability to communicate that confidence becomes you know the defining piece of this is who I am, and making no apologies for it. Now I hear people who make excuses for their existence all the time. Now, when we make excuses for our existence, that's basically saying, I don't belong here. Mm. And that brings again to this issue, you know, they talk about in the corporate organizations these days, a lot about the belonging. Well, the belonging piece is important because it needs to help people take ownership, not only of their roles, but of who they are as individuals. Um, And knowing that we contribute, 
in, in a significant way. And that's another piece about getting beyond the fear piece is I actually make a, contribute, a contribution to the world. Um, and I think that that's, again, part of that ownership piece. Um, and as you probably know, most people don't take full ownership of who they are. Hmm. They, they make excuses. And I call it excusitis. And lots of people suffer from excusitis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've all got them, you know, oh, well, it's because of or blame. Blameitis is the other one. You know, we get blames. Um, so there's there's all kinds of ways in which we divert the attention from taking full ownership and responsibility, because that's number one. You know, talk about it in, in, in all the religious traditions of, of taking responsibility for self. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the other side of fearless, too, is that, yeah. I might have said things that that weren't true. I might have said things that um, I perhaps should not have said. Uh, But coming back and saying afterwards, I'm sorry. You know, I'll do better. I'll do better. And knowing that when you do mess up, you can say that. I'll do better. Mm. Because your intention, and there's a big piece of it, my intention is that I will do better. I have an acronym for risk that I call respect your intention and show courage. That for me is is what risk is all about. Respect your intention and show courage. And that's the fearless part again. Is you know, take that risk to to see if in fact what you believe, because fundamentally to me, fear is imagination based. It's based on our thinking. Mm-hmm. It's the stories that we make up in order to quell the uncertainty that exists in our lives. And there will always be some level of uncertainty. God knows for the last nine months, we've had a tremendous <laughs> amount of uncertainty and sure. it's not going away anytime soon. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. how do we get comfortable being uncomfortable mm. is part of the change process. And that's the first thing I say to my clients too. Let's get comfortable being uncomfortable because I'm going to ask you to push against these barriers that you put in your own way. Mm. Um, you know, again, getting back to the idea of we're our own worst enemies. You know, we don't need other people to tell us that we're we're no good. We can do a pretty good job on it for ourselves a lot of the time. Right, right. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were talking through that, you know, this this you know this comfort. We it's it's you know it's almost human nature to stay in a comfort area because we don't like to be uncomfortable, right? Yeah. But, you know, I know we talked about earlier before we started the show. You're into fitness. I'm also into fitness, and and you know the only way you change and you get better and you grow and you become. Uh, better fitness is through being uncomfortable is putting putting the time in the gym doing things that hurt and and are strenuous but at the end of the day you see progress and you continue to get better and better as you as you have those uncomfortable sessions and you you know you get yourself better and it's the same thing with um, your your personal interactions right the more you take that chance be uncomfortable, the better you're going to get at it and you can, you know, get that chance to do it again. I mean, if you're afraid to get out of your office, just do it and see that it's yeah. not that scary, right? You know, get yeah. on that, get yeah. on that edge and cross over a little bit just to see it. So, but I think again, it's coming back to what I'm saying, be fearless, see where it gets you see because, gets you. you know, yeah. going beyond the fear, see where it gets you. But there's a section in the book called leadership, building your leadership muscles. And uh, I did martial arts for years, too. I have a black belt in karate. And um, there were things that I learned in in karate that I use always. It applies to everything. 
first of all, you need commitment. If you're going to be in a fight, you've got to be committed to being in the fight. You've got to be able to focus on your opponent. You've got to be able to see exactly what's going on and maybe figure it out before it even happens. The third piece of that is discipline, thousands of hours of discipline in order to do things instinctively. The follow through is really essential. Think about follow through when you, you're doing something, somebody throws a punch, whatever, you've got to follow through. This, the fifth piece of this is consistency. Consistency in everything that you do. And this is frequently one of the, the biggest, weakest, uh, you know, the weakest mm-hmm. link, if you like, for, for a lot of people. And the sixth part, of course, is perseverance. You fall down, you get back up. You fall down, you get back up. I've had an entrepreneurial mindset my entire life. I never worked in corporate because I knew that it was not going to be a good fit. I, I've <laughs> always been a rule breaker. You're smart. I've always chosen <laughs> to push against the grain. And I knew at an early part of my life, even though I didn't know where I was going, that this was not where I wanted to be. So that mindset has always been a piece for me. But the six things that I learned in martial arts uh, over several years, you know, really applies to everything in life. And the commitment, the the, the focus, the discipline, the follow through, the consistency and the perseverance. We need all of those if we're to succeed. So building your leadership muscles is is about those elements it's in the book but it's also about everything else that we've spoken about in our our conversation today um in order for you to be stronger because yeah you go into the gym and you try lifting you know 250 pounds off the floor straight away in the deadlift uh well you're going to break your back frankly but if you build up to it which i did this this year i got to 250 pounds nice um, but you got to be able to to know what you're you're doing. You got to be able to get your form right, mm-hmm. and that's what we're talking about in leadership. Get your form right. You know, like just in karate, if you're doing a form, which is you know those series of movements, you got to get it right. Otherwise, mm. you don't pass your belt test. You know, there you yeah, go. I love it. So there's a great analogy between overcoming fear and. Um, and, and being good in the gym and being good in martial arts, right? It's just about, yeah. you know, learning the techniques, doing it, practicing over and over again, and and suddenly you get, you, you're good at it, right? And it's the messiness of being human, isn't it? It is completely messy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what's next for you? What are, what are you working on now? Well, right now, I'm uh, my next fearless book is going to be on fearless parenting. Oh, okay. uh, I've had a lot of experience with parenting in, in one way or another, uh, many different varieties of it. So I'm looking at that and sharing stories of other parents and being fearful and fearless in, in the ways in which we're parenting. I'm looking forward to doing that. So that'll probably happen next year. And I've also uh, this year developed a fearless change program that I'm calling an accelerated six-week program that is designed to help people get through some of their limiting beliefs and, and lack of, of awareness, shall we say, as fast as possible. And we just did the beta test of it earlier this year, and it was hugely successful. So I'm really excited about that. And, and I'm, you know, again, I'm all about let's not hang around in this stew. Let's figure out a way to get through it. But you've got to be willing to show up to your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm being polite about this, but you've got to show up to your stuff. Uh, and, and that's hard for a lot of people. But I saw some breakthroughs on the, the six-week program that astounded me, that, that, you know, people just like shifted on a dime once they got the aha 
oh, yeah, I can think about it this way. I can mm. reframe this this way. Uh, so I'm very excited. That starts in January, and uh, that will be my next six-week program. So that's a, that's a good thing. And, you know, we'll take it from there. But I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking about, you know, what, what am I going to create next and, and so forth. So there will always be something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I feel the same way. I've never, never quit. There's always a, it's always, a, I'm working on two books at the same time right now myself personally. So, well, I don't know why, but uh, can't just well, do one I'm thing. I'm going to do a workbook version of The Fearless Factor at Work. Um, and I expect to have that workbook version done probably by January or February of next year. Uh, and there's not much to do because most of it's already in the first book, but I want to give people a format that they can write in. They can write in, yeah do their thing with. So. Outstanding. That's, That's great. Yeah. That's really good. Well, this has been fantastic. So how can people find out more about you, your coaching programs, and your new book? Well, they can go to the website at www.thefearlessfactoratwork.com. Thefearlessfactoratwork.com. And uh, there's a ton of resources on there. And if you sign up for my, my uh, excerpt, on fear which is on the website uh you can then be in my mailing list and you'll i'll keep you updated with all kinds of goodies um but everything is on there and if you want to find out more about the programs again under the services you'll see a whole bunch of things of the types of programs that i run and my coaching very good well we'll put uh, links to all those in the show notes so uh if you're in your car right now listening to this yeah you don't have to write it all down we'll have it all in the show notes uh, so that you can find it quickly. Well, Jacqueline, this has been really a good discussion and I'm, I'm really excited. I think you, you've got me thinking about leadership characteristics, things that are leaders, you know, the behaviors that leaders have that are poor, that are actually fear-based and it's based on fear and a lack of confidence that are probably creating some of the behaviors that we see in poor leaders. Yeah, 100%. And and I think it's rather unfortunate that there are more dysfunctional companies, just like there are more dysfunctional families, than there are uh, companies that are getting it right. Mm. Um, but there's hope. And, and that's kind of where I come from. You know, it's like, there's hope. I have all the tools and insights that, that you might need in order to make that happen. But uh, first of all, you got to be willing to show up. That's it. Right. Right. Well, that's fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being on the show and sharing all of your uh, valuable wisdom. We appreciate it. My pleasure, John. Thank you for the invite. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Take care.